This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. Yesterday I presented a Polish cardinal correcting the errors of the German Episcopate in its German synodal way, and he used the long history between the two countries and their unity in the saints and the faith to make his point, while grounding the argument in modern Catholic ideas. Today, amid a world spiraling more and more out of control, I have a response of sorts to that from Cardinal Mueller, who points out that what the Church in Germany is doing is mirroring the empty valleys of the world that created the mess in the first place that we're all watching right now by embracing a humanism without God, which for the Church is a recipe for nothing but darkness. Mueller is an important figure in the Church. For the longest time, he was the voice of Benedict in the Francis reign, until Francis dismissed him unceremoniously a few short years ago. He is now a vocal voice for trying to correct errors promoted by the hypermodernists in any way that he can. Here is the letter correcting the German Synod, and he reminds us here what the stakes really are. The letter of Cardinal Mueller responding to Archbishop Stanislaw Gadecki's letter, which I presented to you very recently. The chairman of the Polish Bishops' Conference, Archbishop Stanislaw Gadecki, wrote a letter to the chairman of the German Bishops' Conference, which is important for the Universal Church, with a view to the 1,000-year-old faith and historical community of Catholics in Germany and Poland. In it, he expresses the worries and concerns that come to mind for every Christian who feels and thinks Catholic, sentire cum ecclesia, when he carefully analyzes the disputes and events on the Frankfurt Synodal path of the DBK and ZDK. There remains the hope against all hope, that its activists and propagandists, out of respect for the Poles, who suffered more from German arrogance than any of their European neighbors, will at least this time react with factual arguments instead of personal attacks. At the long-term meetings of the Companions, a distinction must be made between the controversies about the well-known individual demands and forgotten fundamental hermeneutics of Catholic theology, i.e. the fundamental access to understanding the revelation of God in Jesus Christ in the obedience of faith. Man freely submits to God as a whole by subjecting himself to the revealing God with mind and will and willingly assenting to his revelation. With reference to the church doctrine and practice based on revelation, the Archbishop of Posen confirms that the blessing and thus deceptive approval of extramarital desires of the flesh, see Matthew 5, chapter, verse 28, and action, see Matthew 10, verse 11, the negation of the dual gender of the people as man and woman, the demand for the sacrament of holy orders for women, as well as the ignorance of the inner correspondence of sacramental priesthood and celibate life. All of these errors in detail are only possible because of the sacramentality of the Church, so emphatically emphasized by Vatican II, is overlooked or even denied. The Church is reduced to its external organizations and its functionaries. And here, paradoxically, one encounters the neo-pagans' misunderstanding of the Church as a sacrament-slash-mystery of the salvation of the world in Christ, and their aversion to the Church as a secular political issue, which they pursue with deadly hatred because it contradicts their totalitarian claim to power or their libertarian ideology. In an exchange of letters, February 5th and 6th, with me about the recently proclaimed doctor of the Church, Irenaeus of Lyon, Pope Francis confirmed the three essential criteria by which the doctor Unitatis can determine the truth of the Catholic Church and apostolic teaching distinguished from heretical and schismatic positions. 1. Their basis and source in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. 2. Fidelity to the doctrinal tradition of the apostles. And 3. 
the agreement of all local churches in doctrine, liturgy, and life, with the ecclesiastical magisterium of the bishops in the official succession of the apostles, with Peter and Paul at their head, with their apostolic testimony and doctrine in the shedding of their blood established the central position of the Roman Church. Against the Gnostics, the Bishop of Leon put it this way, the church spread throughout the world, preserves the faith which she received from the apostles, as carefully as if she lived in a house, because the content of the tradition is one and the same everywhere, both in the churches in Spain and Gaul, but also in Germania, hopefully today also east of the Limes. The word of God to us humans is always both, one, positive connection to basic human questions, and thus the elevation and perfection of the spiritual physical nature of man in love for God and neighbor but also, too, the criticism of society in the liberation of our individual and social existence from the sin that ideologically obscures our thinking and drags our will from good to evil. From the Church Fathers and Scholasticism to the present day, Catholic theology has always been working on an up-to-date spiritual synthesis of revealed truth in the natural thinking and knowledge in philosophy and empirical knowledge that is constantly evolving through trial and error. There can only be a contradiction between the revealed truth of God and the truth about the world of his creation, recognized by natural reason, where their knowledge is misinterpreted by ideological prejudices, or misused for the purposes of the unnatural and godless rule of people over people. Since the 19th century, sociology and psychology, in particular, have been positioned by agnostic, atheistic, and nihilistic thinkers to construct a humanism without God, or to the transhumanistic utopia of the new socialist or consumerist human being against the Christian image of man, right down to the will of the propagandistic annihilation and bloody real persecution of the church and the believers in Christ. It is the task of the whole community of believers, their pastors appointed by Christ and all Christians, with their natural talents and charismatic gifts, to perceive and analyze the signs of the times, i.e. the spiritual, social, cultural, political situation of the present, but to interpret them in the light of the gospel. The Church of Christ on the earthly pilgrimage must not be the true distorted reflection of its epic, but must contemplate, convert, and renew itself in people in the light of Christ. Because Christ is the light of the nations, it was the desire of the synod assembled in the Holy Spirit to enlighten all men with his glory, which is reflected on the face of the Church, by gospel proclaimed to all creatures. See Dogmatic Constitution of the Church, Lumen Gentium, paragraph 1. With all the changes in spiritual and practical living conditions, the existential basic questions about the meaning of being human in life and in death, in suffering and in hope, remain beyond our earthly borders. And the word about the triune God as the origin, meaning, and goal of every human being distinguishes the Church of Christ from the ephemeral goals of all worldly institutions. This is their belief, that Christ who died and rose again for all gives man light and strength through his spirit, so that he may fulfill his highest calling. See Gaudium et Spes, paragraph 10. Signed, Cardinal Gerhard Mueller. Now that the letter's over, it really reminds me of something. Francis has been tolerating the errors of the German Episcopate in their silly, synodal way for two years or more now. They've been engaged in an ongoing project to remake the church not only in Germany, but abroad since the Pac-Man Mama event of late 2019, if not earlier. I have for you here a short excerpt from a response to this back in 2020 that Bishop Athanasius wrote reminding everyone of the stakes back then and what Francis's role should be. I have that letter and Cardinal Mueller's in today's show notes at returntotradition.org for your reading if you want to read it for yourself. But I think Bishop Athanasius's words here are instructive because Francis has been allowing this to happen for far too long. And it's little wonder that the church has been overtly going off the rails at the same time that the world is plunging itself into chaos. But here's what the good bishop had to say at that time. Quote, 
The Pope has the grave duty to protect the little ones, meaning the simple, faithful, and those priests and bishops in Germany who have been put on the periphery and whose voice has been stifled by the powerful nomenclatura of a new unbelieving and Gnostic caste of so-called quote-unquote scientific theologians, by ecclesiastical apparatchiks, and by those bishops who have adapted themselves to the ideological dictatorship of the mass media and politics. The Pope cannot passively stand by or be silent as he watches the wolves devour the flock or the arsonists set fire to the house. The synodal path that is now underway has already openly shown that there is the division between those who will still have the Catholic and apostolic faith, and those who reject or question some of its essential contents. It is realistic to imagine a situation in which priests and bishops in other countries will not be able to maintain communion with those German bishops who advocate heretical teachings. The present confusion could even increase if these heretical bishops were still to be recognized formally by the Pope. Yet there is precedent for such a situation, albeit rare in church history. One of the most notable precedents was the crisis led by the Bishop Arius in the 4th century, when the entire body of the Catholic Episcopate was divided essentially into three groups. One, the Catholic and Orthodox bishops who professed unambiguously the full Catholic faith and the divinity of Jesus Christ. They were the minority with the Pope. Two, the second group opted for ambiguous formulations. They were the majority and usually conformed themselves, for the sake of political correctness, to the dominant position of the ruling political power. And three, the third group was comprised of radical and unbelieving followers of Arius. They were also a minority. The criteria and guarantee for being truly Catholic was the communion with the apostolic see in Rome, and with the unchanging and constant doctrinal tradition. If the synodal path in Germany approves female sacramental ordination, the legitimacy of James Martin Acts, the blessing of those same kind of pairings, the legitimacy of those acts outside of a valid marriage, there will surely be Catholic bishops as well as many priests and lay faithful, even in Germany, who will not accept this and who could therefore not be in full communion with those bishops who profess such heresies. End quote. And he's right. Francis has a duty to protect the faith, to preserve the faith, that faith which Mueller described, and better, the timeless deposit of the faith. But he's not doing that. He's embracing the errors of the Germans, and they will be front and center in the Rome stage of the Synod of Synods, which will be happening next year. Mark my words, and it will lead to the undermining of the unity that Francis professes to love and care for so much. His own actions undermine the unity that he goes after traditional Catholics for allegedly undermining. Like I said at the start, in these trying times, the Church compounds the problems of the world, and it's spiraling into chaos and darkness by embracing error. But of course it's not the Church doing these things. It's pretenders in the Church who hold offices on paper, but aren't part of the body of Christ in any real sense. And therein lies the rub. The Church is in the grips of men who would profess the need to pray for peace while undermining those efforts with theological error. Only Christ authentically presented and professed to the world can solve the woes of our time, and only in him and in his church authentically preached can there be any unity. Until that happens, things will continue to teeter. I hope you are uniting your prayers and Lenten practices for the intention of peace this Lent, because it's desperately needed. What did you think of this? Is Cardinal Mueller correct in his assessment that the faith is the thing which can unite and save a teetering civilization against a humanism without God? Let me know in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't, it really does help. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.